Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? Welcome. Wednesday edition of the program. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. And guess who's in the studio with me? A little bit of change of schedule. I'm uh, out of here tomorrow. We'll be back Friday. we got Mark Veneri who's going to be filling in uh, and locking it down for this show tomorrow. But uh, a little bit of change in the, sh- uh, the schedule because um, usually this guy is in here on Thursdays, but he's able to uh, change things around, and he is in here with me today. None other than KHON2 Sports Director Robbie D. Rob DeMello's in the house. What's up, Rob? What's up, man? How's it going? Uh, it's going all right. You looked a little concerned. You looked a, a little um, uh, dispirited when you heard the Sports Center update just moments ago uh, and this recent report that Zion Williamson, uh, who is a member of your favorite basketball team, the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, that the team is actually in. Uh, or the, the reports are the, at least that the team is considering, they're sort of in maybe internal discussions uh, about being open to trading Zion Williamson uh, with the idea of maybe trying to acquire uh, Scoot Henderson, who is considered perhaps uh, outside of Victor Wembinyama the best talent uh, in this uh, upcoming NBA draft. And uh, that was a bit of an eye-opener for you. You, you kind of looked bug-eyed. You, you kind of looked a little bit, um, you know, a, a, a little shocked by that news. Um, uh, what, what are you so worried about, man? Well, okay, well, uh, I don't want to see Zion traded, but... If it's to get Scoot Henderson, then I'm okay with it because yeah. you're replacing one phenomenal. Well, you can't get nothing for Zion, right? Exactly. Like now, if would... it's now if it's that they're unloading him and then they're just getting future draft picks and you don't know what number that's going to be in two years from the Atlanta Hawks or whatever it is, right? Then I'd be a little bummed out about that. But I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're getting Scoot Henderson, then it's like, okay, well, let's hit the reset button with a new phenomenal talent and see how that works out because Zion has been amazing when he's on the court I mean the guy averages 25 points per game in all the games that he's played in but has missed so many games right he's played four or he's been in the league for four years he's only played a missed all of this past season uh, recovering from foot surgery um uh, he, the New Orleans Pelicans, decided to sign him to a five-year, $194 million max contract extension. Uh, that was after Williamson played just 29 games um, due to a hamstring uh, injury. So he missed all of last season, played 29 games this season. Uh, it appears that the uh, Pelicans are now open to moving on. I, I think you would have to say that the Zion Williamson experiment to this point hasn't really worked. Now, his, his is a, a tricky case because when he has been available and healthy, he's been a force, right? One he of the has, best he players ha- in the NBA. He, he has at times shown an ability to dominate, but he's so unreliable because he can't play in all the games uh, because he can't stay healthy. And and I shared some concerns even when he was coming out of college. And, um, you know, this, this isn't to be like braggadocious or anything like that, but it just dawned on me, like, how can you be that big, 
like that size, that weight, and jump that high off the ground and land with that kind of impact over and over and over again. You know, it might work when you're in high school and in college. And I just thought long term in the NBA, that that seems like it's a risk. Uh, when he was out there, though, gosh, he looked really dominant. And I think to this point, you would have to say, despite those glimpses of brilliance, um, if his career were to end now, obviously, he would be in the category of a bust just because of the injury issues. Kind of a la Greg Oden, right? Out or, of Ohio or State. You could even go Anthony Davis or you could with go- the New Orleans Pelicans. The last time that they got a top pick and tried this, I mean, he missed so many games. Yeah, I, I, I know that I went to... Probably two or three Pelican games on the West Coast, right? If they're playing the Lakers or the Clippers over the years that he was there. And I only got to see him in one game, right? So two of the games he was out, like wasn't even suited up. Went to a game and in the first quarter of that game left it didn't return and missed the rest of that season. And so, I mean, it, it's, it's almost very similar. And so I could totally see what happened with Anthony Davis too, where you unload Zion and he goes on and wins an NBA championship, yeah. and uh, and then you're just you know picking up the pieces. You're trying to do this again. So, uh, again, both of those players phenomenal when they were on yeah. the court, but I mean New Orleans man, they're just struggling to to get that generational talent to be able to be healthy enough to play in more games than they don't. Yeah, because you know that's the old adage, right? Is uh, the best ability is availability, and and that's a, a real thing, right? I mean, you have to be available more often than not which is part of what makes i think the lebron james career arc so remarkable part of what makes even steph curry's Mm -hmm. ability to uh raise himself out of what was the uh problematic nature of his ankle injuries right and lower body issues so early on in his professional career and now he has been more so than than you know some of the other uh you know higher profile warrior players he's been one of the more available guys uh you would have to to say in, in recent years and and so uh it makes those instances and examples so much more impressive because it is a grind man the nba season is a grind uh and particularly i think when you're talking about some of these guys and so you even hear some of the concern about victor Wembenyama, who is you know maybe the, the the most highly hyped or or at least the most highly regarded prospect at the very least since lebron some are suggesting maybe ever um and it that has even been part of the conversation with regard to him is uh you know is he going to be able to stay healthy at that size with the kind of movement that he relies on in his game having guard-like handles and, and, you know, almost a a Kevin Durant-esque type of game. Uh, Oftentimes, there are guys at that size that that have to deal with foot injuries, lower lower leg injuries. And so there are some concerns there even regarding this this can't-miss prospect that is Victor Wembenyama. But, uh, yeah, I think that's the problem with the Zion thing. And you have all of these now off-the-court issues and and some of those embarrassments. And so I I can understand how the Pelicans are just kind of like, hey, look, we invested a lot into this guy, and it's just not panning out. And I think Zion has has carried himself as a pretty good dude, even in the face of some of this off-the-court mm-hmm. controversy. Like, that's sort of the funny part of it, is he still sort of comes across as being like an okay dude, trying to more or less do the right thing, or at least, you know, hold himself accountable. Um, but you just got to be available. You got to be able to play, and I think that's been the biggest problem with him. So it kind of makes sense that they're ready to maybe move on. And yeah, if they can uh, pull off a trade with the Hornets, who are in the number two position, likely in position to get Scoot Henderson, uh, I would say 
they it would it would behoove them to pull that trigger. Yeah, and Zion's from the Carolina area, and so I think that's a good fit to, to go to Charlotte and to be able to be a, a face of that franchise. And uh, it's really a collection of former Pelicans that are all over <laughs> that team, right? With Ball and and a, a few other players. And so yeah, I mean it would work out, and I think it would be exciting to see a new talent go in and see where it could go. But I do got to say this that um, I don't appreciate that the first thing we're talking about is the Pelicans, a team that I watch continually struggle year in and year out on the heels of the Vegas Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup yesterday. I was just about to How go there. How do you there. not make that the first thing you talk about? I was about? just Come about on, to go buddy. there. All right, I know, I know. You're not, you're and not... we don't have to talk about hockey long. I know that you okay. know it's not your favorite sport, but I just want to say that I'm super stoked no, about I, I this. Know. I know, I know. There's still six players from the original Vegas Golden Knights team that are a part of this team. Jonathan Marcheseau being one of them wins the Conn Smythe Trophy as the, the finals MVP, and so it was Awesome. It was awesome to see. And for them to score nine goals in the clincher, for Mark Stone to get a hat trick, phenomenal. I'm uh, feeling great right you, now. Uh, you felt like I shortchanged you there. You, you I felt really like I, you, I mean, you started with the Pelicans. I did you dirty. Well, well, because it was the breaking thing and the sports center uh, thing. You had this, this, you had this very overt reaction to it. I thought, okay, that's fresh. That's fresh in your mind, that feeling. <laughs> let's, let's, let's investigate that. Let's dive into that and, and see uh, what, what gets dug up there. And then obviously you have bristled. You have bristled <laughs> considerably at my pushing back on that. And, uh, and so I, uh, I, 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 I now digress and I give you five minutes on Hockey, go. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, no, yeah. The, how into this night's uh, Stanley Cup final run uh, have you been? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been locked in, and I mean, as you know, I, you know, I don't spend a lot of time watching a ton of national sports. I just, you know, it, it, to to fit my life, right, of work and then family time, and so. Uh, you know, and I'll be the first to tell you that I can't name you 20 hockey players that aren't on the Golden Knights, right? I mean, so my hockey experience— Like of all time? Or? Is, <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm just saying like currently, right? Um, my hockey experience is purely on mm-hmm. the Golden Knights. I mm-hmm. watch Golden Knights on ESPN+. Plus, Like, you know, almost any time that I'm working, I put on the computer. Have you seen them live? I've, I've watched them live a number of times. We've gone every year since oh, their nice. existence except— for this year and so maybe that's the reason why <laughs> this is the first year that we didn't go to a, a at least one game within a season and um and so yeah i'm i'm all in on, on the golden knights I, I followed it very closely from from the the day that they announced that a franchise was going to vegas i was like okay i'm gonna locked in i'm gonna follow this and and uh yeah and to see them go to the Stanley Cup in the very first year of existence and uh, come up a little short. And then, you know, I'll be the first to tell you, it's it's a lot easier to follow something that's brand new when they go to the playoffs five of the six years that they're around and then win the Stanley Cup championship in their sixth year. It makes it really easy to, yeah. to be excited about it because you're not watching them – you know, like if you're a Florida Marlins fan or a Detroit or, Lions fan, you know, just say it. Just say it, Rob. <laughs> well, but you weren't there for the inception <laughs> well, of the Detroit no. Lions, is what I'm saying. Like when there's no background, there's no history, there's no Barry Sanders to talk about mm-hmm. still. When you're watching something from the very beginning, it really helps for them to at least have some success. And they've gone beyond that. And so, uh, yeah, man, uh, Golden Knights, man, I'm, I'm super stoked. I'm super happy to, to, to be able to watch this all unfold. Yeah, the only. Uh, 
NHL game I've ever been to was in Vegas and and watching the Knights and and you know it's Vegas so it's like the show before yeah. the game uh you know between periods I mean it's it's very Vegas like it's very over the top it's it's really cool it's it's um, almost like a, a combination of like hockey and Cirque du Soleil or something yeah. like that like yeah. it's it's really unbelievable um and so the experience was awesome and I I think uh, you know you've always heard hockey is is maybe the the best sport to consume live because you know tv doesn't necessarily do it justice in terms of like the speed and the power and the hits and especially you know when they're banging up against the boards and you feel that so much more in that cool crisp air of 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 the arena the hockey rink arena and um it is a, an experience man and i would have uh, even gone so far as to say that watching an nhl game live was on my bucket list so i was able to kind of check mm -hmm. that off and i was just thinking about this the other day uh because shohei otani of your uh, angels uh, he's going off this year and he's just so unbelievable i actually know a couple of people that watched him uh, play live this year they actually saw him pitch and you know he was remarkable and um i think he if i if i were to put together like a list of like a bucket list of athletes pro athletes right now that i'd want to watch live in person he may be at the very top of that list like i want to go watch a shohei otani game preferably if he were the starting pitcher yeah, for that's sure the one. you gotta that's see kind pitch. of the caveat yeah. but even then even if that that weren't if those planets weren't able to line up for me i still would like to see him play live he's at the top of my bucket list you've seen him play right yeah yeah. You have not seen him pitch. I haven't seen him pitch, yeah. And so we went to a game last year in July. In fact, I'm going again July 23rd uh, to watch them play the Pirates. Uh, it's a Sunday morning game. Uh, I'm hoping that it lines up and he's pitching. But, I mean, that would be phenomenal. But it's hard. it's hard to plan. Like, you almost have to plan that you're going for a week. Right, like yeah. five days, I'll be here, and once you get the pitching probables, then it's like, okay, we'll go to this game, right? Because yeah. that's the only way to like guarantee that you're going to see him pitch. And so the way we've been doing it is we've been picking a date and just being like, fingers crossed. I hope he's pitching. And and last year he wasn't, um, but just watching him bat, I mean, there's an anticipation oh, that man. when he walks up, I mean, even when he's in in uh, in the hole, and you're just like, oh man, Shohei's coming up pretty soon. The whole stadium just stops chit-chatting i mean everyone is just locked in because they know that something crazy could could happen right then and there and so uh, i would definitely say that you need to go and do that and um uh and and so this year was important for us to go because you don't know i mean i don't know if Shohei's gonna be in an angels uniform next year and true. i think they're playing well enough now so we don't have to worry about him being traded at the trade deadline because they you know they're only four games back in the west and they're only a game out of the wild card right now and so it'd be silly for them to trade him to make sure you're getting something out of them at this point because they're in it and you know and um so uh but understanding that come free agency i don't know if they're gonna be able to keep him right i mean he's a half billion dollar dude and you already got mike trout and you got anthony <laughs> rendon's contract it, it's asking a lot and so um yeah i I'm, I'm gonna definitely savor watching him this time around and new york mets <coughs> excuse me sorry i had to clear <laughs> my throat the there. <laughs> yeah yeah and they sure need the help <laughs> yeah. um all right well yeah because 
I, just because we mentioned sort of that bucket list thing, right? It just made me automatically think of Shohei Otani because he'd be at the very top of mine as far as like current pro athletes I'd want to see perform in person. Who else is on that list for you? Like wh- who who else yeah. would you maybe consider uh, putting on your uh, sports bucket list? So one athlete that comes to mind, and I'll preface this by saying I totally understand that some of the luster has gone away over recent years because of out of the sport issues and then even performance issues you know over the years but watching a conor mcgregor fight would be at pretty high up there on the bucket list and it's not even the fight itself mm-hmm. it's the pageantry that comes with a conor mcgregor fight it's the anticipation of him fighting it's the walkout it's the kind of crowd that comes to a conor fight that i just want to and and so the fight is like so you're talking about like that's a, a bonus like, you're talking about like an organized fight event not not just him you know not punching an old guy yeah. in an <laughs> Irish pub or a or a Miami Heat mascot yeah yeah, yeah. no no yeah, I'm talking a UFC <laughs> fight where you get the notorious you know playing sure. and, and uh, what is it Foggy Do or I can't even remember what the name of the, of the song is that's super awesome that he walks out to. And the smoke comes for Connor. It doesn't come for anybody else, right? Like the octagon fills up with smoke only for him. And he does his billion dollar strut. I mean, all of that. That's what I'm the I mean, if someone told me, like, you can go watch Connor fight, but we're gonna kick you out of the arena before he actually fights, I'm signing up. I just wanna be there for the uh, buildup yeah. of the fight. And I wanna I wanna experience that because um Really, there's nothing like it in combat sport, and and I'd put that up there as far as like you know the great entrances in sports is Conor McGregor. Yeah, no, I I think he's still sort of living off of of past iterations of of his performances, right? Um, and I think the same would go for one of my bucket list guys. I would put Tiger Woods up there too. Remarkably, I've never actually been to a golf tournament uh, in which Tiger Woods uh, in person in which Tiger Woods was was competing, and um, that's still something that is that would be there for me. Like if I were given an opportunity to watch Brooks Kepka or John Rahm, you know, I've actually seen a couple of those guys uh, over on Maui, but uh, wasn't there for any of the Tiger Woods appearances over there, and. Uh, I don't know. It's it's also for the very much the same reason. Not necessarily because I think you know he's going to go ahead and I'm going to witness this incredible tournament winning performance by by Tiger Woods. This this moment of triumph. That's that's what you're hoping for. But that's not necessarily what I'm thinking. I'm going to see. It's more because you're just in that atmosphere and being one among the crowd at the height of this level of excitement and adoration and just uh, awe at this guy who has you know been one of the sports legends. Of, of our age, of our time. Um, so very much kind of the same reasons. Not not necessarily to witness his specific performance as much as just kind of being there to yeah. see Tiger, just to kind of be in that atmosphere that is Tiger Woods. And that's when you know that, that you know, this athlete, whoever it is that we're talking about, like you, you reach a certain level where it goes beyond the performance, it goes beyond the sports. Like I, I watched LeBron James play, and I was – as excited to see him in his pre-game routine as I was to watch him actually play the basketball game. And it and it's because there's so much more that comes with it than just watching these guys perform. It's just watching greatness and, and watching um, these trademark things that you've seen on TV and you just want to see it with your own eyes. And so I remember seeing LeBron throw the powder up before the game. I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah you know. And, and so I actually saw him as a member of the Heat in Miami. I saw him as a member of the Lakers in L.A., 
and and yeah and when i think back at watching those games i don't remember a lot about the game i don't know i don't remember if they won i don't remember if they lost i don't remember what he scored but i just remember these moments and a lot of it was like in pre-game and it was him interacting with people and 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 that's uh, i think that goes to wanting to see these athletes for yeah sure. i mean i think that that's that's part of it right is um you know, like when Mark McGuire, and obviously this was during a certain era in the history of baseball, mm-hmm. but when he was doing his thing, people would show up, you know, over an hour before the start of the game because they wanted to see him take BP. Yeah. Same goes for Steph Curry. I actually was able to check that off of my bucket list. I saw him uh, when the Warriors and the Raptors played in 2019 in the NBA Finals, and uh, we watched uh, at uh, the old um, Oracle uh, in Oakland before they moved uh, to the new place, and it was one of the last games that was played in that building as a matter of fact uh, but it was just remarkable to go early and you just mm-hmm. see him and all of the pregame shooting drills that he does and he's shooting from half court and it's like people were there like the place was almost packed uh, because they just wanted to see him warm up and that's crazy that's when you know you're talking about someone that's kind of captured the imagination of people is when it's not just after the ball is tipped or after the first pitch or after kickoff and seeing them on the field it's like you just kind of want to see them in how they approach what they do like that's how great they are like i would be fascinated watching tiger woods on the driving range yeah. be like this is like the bee's knees here i can't believe i used that phrase but <laughs> you know I, I remember watching ichiro take batting practice and that one was incredible too because you watch ichiro play and i mean he was so talented and in, in getting on base and just taking advantage of these pitchers in bp he was crushing the ball just absolute moonshots and and so watching that was just like <laughs> wow this guy could like if he wanted to like he could be a 25 30 35 home run guy but he chooses to make sure that he gets on base and help his team win in that in that regard and, and not strike out right as much in which a lot of people do when they're trying to hit homers and so yeah it, it was really interesting to see someone like that too fun to do these lists you oh, want to do more lists, I love lists how about bro. we come back and we do more lists we'll, we'll, we'll do a, a little thing we like to call rank them when we come back. Are you down with that? I'm down. You know what? Uh, my top five things to do on Canola, his radio show, number one is lists. That's right. Uh, Rob DeMello is celebrating the Vegas Knights Stanley Cup championship uh, and that that tremendous triumphant moment uh, by being here on the show, uh, which seems like a really, really bad reward. But I appreciate you being here, man, for sure. 808-296-1420 is the number to call, by the way. Uh, yeah, we're going to get into some of that ranking stuff when we come back. But a reminder, stay cool this summer. Get the new Bosch in inverter central air conditioning system that qualifies for up to a thousand dollars hawaii energy rebate ask your contractor for the bosch inverter all right more or less talk sports when we come back What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Rob DeMello is joining me. He is the sports director at KHON2. Uh, he is in the house. 296-1420 is the number to call. Uh, you can also text in at that number on the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, all right, we're going to get into a little bit of ranking stuff. But first, I kind of wanted to uh, just set people up for what's coming a little bit later on in the show. We lost another legend here uh, in the local sports realm, Jimmy Yaga who was uh, one of the all-time great basketball coaches uh, here in the islands, a longtime coach at the University of Hawaii Hilo, uh, and really with the success of his teams in the 70s, kind of set 
up for uh, the small college explosion and phenomenon that was Chaminade, right, in, in some of their upsets, including against Virginia in 1982, which, uh, you know, also sort of gave way in some respects to Tony Salito at Hawaii Pacific University winning an NIA, uh, NAIA national championship in 1993. Uh, and so Jimmy Yagi has passed away uh, at the age of 88 and uh, another legend lost for sure. But uh, we are going to be uh, talking with the current University of Hawaii Hilo head coach, uh, Kaniela Iona, later on in the show. That'll be the last segment. So we're going to kind of uh, carve out a little bit of time uh, to get into that with him because uh, Coach Yagi is so important, uh, not just in the Hilo community, but uh, in the Hawaii sports universe as well. So we'll uh, do that, just kind of setting you up a little bit later on in the program. But uh, we were talking in the last segment, you know, trying to add to the list of, of pro athletes that you would uh, place on your bucket list who you'd like to see in person. Just kind of got us in the mood to uh, – just kind of rank some stuff. So uh, let's go ahead and do that. Uh, we're going to start in a pretty interesting place. Uh, obviously, he is uh, right now uh, the guy in, in professional basketball. There's Nikola Jokic. He sits atop the mountain. Uh, it doesn't look like he's enjoying any part of it. Uh, the championship seemingly means nothing to him. He just wants to go home and wants to hang out with his horses. Uh, he doesn't want to do all of the pageantry stuff that comes along with winning an NBA title. Uh, I don't know if that's good for basketball or not, but it just certainly seems like uh, he just wanted to punch in, punch out, uh, dominate. He's like even sick of his own dominance of, of the NBA. Uh, but where do you put him? Give me your top five all-time basketball big men. Where does Nikola Jokic enter the conversation? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that you put him at the bottom of that list. Of uh, the five. Of the five. Um, obviously, this is, you know, I'm just – brainstorming now as we're talking right and so you know because he is the best passing big man of all time that is such a huge huge advantage to the success of a basketball team when a dominant figure like him is also the best passer at that size at that position ever in the sport and so i mean that's a huge uh, part of the game and so yeah i'd say you put them in put him there in the bottom and and, and working my way now with him at the bottom at the top, I'd put Shaquille O'Neal at at his best. Shaquille so O'Neal. that'd be like Lakers Shaq, like yeah, early like, Lakers like Shaq. Second year with the Lakers, first year with the like Lakers. Lakers three peat Shaq. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so even before that, when he was still trimmer, right? Uh, even when they started on the three peat, that was when he started getting a little bit bigger. But he's still, I mean, incredible. Yeah, yeah. Could still run up and down the court. But I remember that first year of the Lakers before they switched to like the the tighter collar Lakers uniform <laughs> okay. and they had more the U shape, like okay, the okay. older Lakers. Right. And like the color was a little different uh-huh. like that when he was wearing like what magic Johnson wore. Like, so, like when was, he first got to LA, he was sprinting up and down the yeah, court, yeah. swatting a shot and running down and catching an alley-oop on the same play, like that Shaq. Right. Um, and then obviously, I mean, I never watched this, these guys play, but knowing how dominant they were in their generation, knowing the success, you'd put Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, just because, I mean, understanding what they accomplished. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, I never watched them play. I don't, I never got to see it like I did Shaq and like I'm doing with Nikola Jokic. But um, how, do you go, how do you not put those guys in the list? Yeah, because so, part of it is how, you know, any time there's a big man that sort of revolutionizes things, like sort of changes the way we perceive basketball like those are the guys that have to be near the top of the list right and so I I think like you said 
Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, formerly Lou Alcindor, has to be on that list. Um, they literally changed rules because of the way he played and how freaky an athlete he was. Wilt Chamberlain is another one. Um, he had some holes in his game, though, uh, certainly in terms of his ability to shoot and, and that kind of thing, but he was so dominant. He was kind of like a Shaquille O'Neal before Shaq, right? He was just so physically dominant over just about everybody else. Bill Russell is the consummate winner. There's never been a greater winner in the history of basketball. So, yeah, I think those three names certainly deserve consideration. I think Wilt would be the one that maybe I would hesitate to put in the top five. I think Kareem and Bill Russell would have to be there. I do like Prime Shaq. Maybe the most dominant thing in our lifetimes that we've ever seen. Um, and then this one gets kind of hard here because I'm a big Tim Duncan fan. I'm a big Akeem Olajuwon fan when he was in his prime at the peak of his powers, when uh, the Houston Rockets won those back-to-back championships, and like there was nobody that could mess with Akeem. Uh, and I think the one knock you could have on Nikola Jokic to maybe not put him above at least a couple of the names that we mentioned is because there's not as much dominance on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, he is about as expansive an offensive game as there's ever been for yeah. anybody at that size in the history of basketball. But defensively he's not your traditional prototypical rim protector like some of these other guys that we have mentioned uh so with that being said right i mean and this is the crazy thing is you don't even realize sometimes that the dude has 20 rebounds or has four block shots just because it's so effortless sure sure and it, it it is kind of bizarre in that like the way he compiles statistics that go against what you're seeing with your eyes of yeah. saying like, well, he's not this you know great defender, but then, you know, the numbers that he's putting up, it's almost telling you otherwise. It's really bizarre. I mean, yeah, sorry yeah. to interrupt. But no, like, no. That was just, uh, and, and I think you know, Denver found somehow uh, this ability to raise its level of defense in the finals. Like that was something that was not indicative of their nature throughout the entire season. Part of it, I think, was because they had a pretty significant size advantage over the Heat. So you know, Jimmy Butler drives the lane, and even though Nikola Jokic isn't necessarily you know protecting the rim in a traditional way like a Giannis can or some of these other guys we've mentioned, um, I, I think that Giannis might be a guy that you consider too does he count as a big man that's See, another and guy even tim duncan i wasn't counting yeah. as a big man when you first posed this question because i'm just thinking he's a forward and yeah, so i was yeah. only thinking power centers, forward centers are sort of in the forward, big man realm I mean, right and, and tim duncan i think is the unquestioned greatest power forward of all time and so how do you not yeah. put him in there like just because he's he's the best power forward ever so you can tell me that you know there are five of the best centers is goes above the number one powerful. No, ever, exactly. Right? Like, exactly. So Who could also play center Tim and did play some might center? Actually, yeah. But getting back to Jokic, yeah, I think you know because of the size advantage, I think some of his defensive deficiencies were a little more hidden. He was still the guy that opposing teams would usually try to draw into the pick and roll. They felt like they could get a step on him. But he, yeah, I think he did play pretty well on the defensive end. He's just not necessarily known as much for that. It's not quite as much of a signature for him as it is some of these other guys. So if I had to put an order together, I do think I agree with you. I think I go that prime Shaq at number one. I probably go Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at number two. Um, I think I'm going to put, oh, man, this is tough. This is getting really, really tough. I think I might put Tim Duncan at number three. Wow. I think I may go uh, Nikola Jokic at number four. 
I'm just going to give Bill Russell, because of all the rings, the number five spot. And uh, Giannis Atentacupo, Kim Olajuwon, some of those guys are just right outside. Just yeah, right outside. Just, just right outside. The bouncer hasn't let them into yeah, the club. It's like at 24 Hour Fitness, Kapiolani. They're on the other side of the glass, like waiting their turn to yeah, play. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, there you go. All right. Well, that was great. <laughs> Let's uh, move on. This was big news. Uh, you're sort of adjacent to this, right? You work on the same desk as Joe Moore. Joe Moore, who has put on a lot of shows with his longtime buddy. They uh, forged a friendship all the way back in their military days, Pat Sajak. Uh, Pat Sajak is going to be calling it quits after the next season of Wheel of Fortune, after over 40 years of hosting this show. Uh, so it got me thinking, where do you put Wheel of Fortune on your list of the greatest game shows of all time? And what are they? Yeah, so, uh, well, I, I, we should do a list of the toughest shoes to fill of all time. Because oh, my gosh. The, whoever comes after Pat Sajak, I, I mean, that is a... That's gonna be rough. Does Vanna White stay around now, longer that could than Pat? Be a, well, see, and and I'm hoping that maybe Vanna White could become the host. That might help things, right? Because then it stays. You could in the streamline family. the whole thing. Like yeah. she could just like yeah. turn the letters and right walk there. Walk over <laughs> and like she could get a deal with Apple Watch and count her steps, <laughs> right? And so, but uh, yeah, so Wheel of Fortune's got to be number one for longevity. For I mean, I, I never get old. I never get tired of it. Do yeah. I, do I watch it every night? No, I don't. Um, but it's a good watch. I suggest though. everyone else to. Because then you could, you know, watch Cage One or uh, the two news right before it. Oh, you um, are shameless. But uh, it's very shameless. <laughs> but uh, anytime I'm watching it, I'm, I have a great time watching it. So uh, Wheel of Fortune has to be number one. Um, uh, then, it, you know, Price is Right, number two, nostalgic reasons. If, if I was sick at home from school, that's what I was watching. Uh, Bob Barker, uh, Wheel of, uh, Price is Right, obviously, was like the, the best one. Family Feud. Family Feud's great. Family, Family Feud is great. really good, and I and um and I love what they do now, where you know you have your mix of just everyday families, but then they do like these special episodes where it's like Major League Baseball players yeah. against NBA players. I just love that with all my heart. Uh, then you gotta go to is American Gladiators count? You know what? That's an interesting question. I, I actually think that it should count because it's contestants competing for this game show victory. Um, yeah. I think it, it, it does count. Would yeah. it be in your top five? I think so. Well, because what that show meant to me as a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I'm the not nostalgia watching. nostalgia is what it's all I'm about. I'm not watching reruns now, but yeah. uh, I was all about that show. They just show. had that 30 for 30 I didn't that came see out it. about it. It's yeah. pretty good. And so I remember watching that show with my my neighbors and cousins and and we, then we go in the backyard and we create all these obstacles and we'd play american gladiators and so uh definitely that's up there and then um uh i maybe i throw in uh jeopardy's not in this list huh? it's not i'm not smart enough to enjoy jeopardy <laughs> what about uh are you smarter than a fifth grader would that be in there then? not smart enough for that one <laughs> now if there was a are you smarter than a second grader i'd be all about that uh, but uh, you know, I are you smarter than an embryo? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the last one I'll throw in there is, uh, man, I'm struggling. Is is American Idol? Oh, is that a? Game I don't show? know. I, this is up for debate because I sort of put American Idol kind of in the same realm as like Survivor oh, okay. or one of those. Like it's Start- more like a reality show, okay. right? Okay, how about this? Because this is when reality shows didn't exist and it, it's the precursor of all this, Star Search. Star Search? Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe that does count. Was it McMahon? 
Ed, Ed, Ed McMahon, McMahon yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Star Search. Uh, I really off enjoyed a lot that as a kid. So I'll go Star Search. You know, maybe probably a little loose in our definition of it, but I think that that's worthy of debate for sure. And I do think that there are a lot of people that would suggest that Star Search okay. is or should be considered a game show. And see, and then I need some rulings on this because I, I you know always you, do this. I, by the way, whenever we do this thing, you always push the envelope like <laughs> way outside the realm. Like you can't just keep it simple with like, oh, it's Family Feud, Wheel of Fortune, Press Your Luck, Price is Right, hundred thousand dollar. <laughs> Pyramid or something like that. You're like, all right, so hold on, hold so on. So is a major league baseball <laughs> season a game show? I mean, technically, yeah, yeah. Does right? South Park's Wheel of yeah. Fortune episode yeah. count? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. No, you're always like, okay, that. fine. I'm gonna replace Star Search <laughs> <laughs> with The Circle on Netflix. My oh, wife never, and I never love it. that show. And it's kind of reality showish, but it's a game show. There's a winner at the end, and it's everyday people. So I don't care what the ruling says. I'm putting that one in there, The Circle. If you haven't seen it, check it out. And okay. there's like five seasons now, so you could really binge it, and it's a lot of fun. Okay. All right. Well, um, interesting list. Top five, though. Uh, it's definitely, I think Wheel of Fortune is the tried and true number one. Okay. I think Family Feud is number two because it has evolved, right? Like, it's perfect for this day and age of of being aggregated on social media for little yeah, clips yeah. and those kinds of things. Uh, I think I go Price is Right, uh, number three. Um I'm going to act a uh, very high makamaka here and oh, and oh. say Jeopardy, but you're right. Like, I watch this show and I'm just like... Dur, 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 oh, I stopped dur, watching it because it got dur, too dur, easy. Dur. But yeah, no, but it's it's <laughs> it's still a good show. Um, and then uh, I think I go uh, $100,000 Pyramid, ah, really which one. narrowly beats out Press Your Luck, No Whammies, No Whammies, which is, uh, which is another one that also barely beats out uh, Double Dare on Nickelodeon, which is a childhood... A favorite of mine. Double Dare was yeah. awesome. Yeah. All right. So uh, next question, last one. Greatest game show hosts of all time. You mentioned a couple of them. Well, Pat Sajak, number one. Uh, I'll go uh, Steve Harvey's really good. Steve Harvey's good. On Family Feud. Like, what the hell yeah. did you just <laughs> yeah. say? Who? What? <laughs> uh, Bob Barker as Price Bob is Barker. Because right. the, the Drew Carey Price is Right. Thing it's has, still good. Yeah, it just it doesn't work for me for some reason. It just always it never felt like it really clicked. Um, so yeah, I, I go Bob Barker days. Alex Trebek for okay. Jeopardy was was a classic. Okay, here's one that. So I mentioned this show, but it was just because I was trying to collect shows in my head. Um, I wouldn't put it in my top, even probably 15 shows, but the host is phenomenal and has really been phenomenal. Ryan Seacrest for American Idol. Like he's he's a great host. And so, um, does he count? Um, yeah, I guess. I guess he does count. I guess he does count. Yeah. Um, you you always have to do that. You always have to go outside the box. If Ryan Seacrest is the best game show host, right up there with Bob Barker and Steve Harvey. The, of typical Robbie D answer. <laughs> we gotta take a break. All right. Hey, um, which Ryan Seacrest was great at. We'll tell you more. <laughs> Right, right after, after this. this. Beat the heat with Fujitsu Air Conditioning Systems. Fujitsu includes a special trifecta warranty that will have you saying, I love my Fujitsu. We'll be back. Hey, welcome back to the show. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Rob DeMello of KHON2 Sports is my co-host, and we're going to get uh, right to our guest here. Some bad news coming out today as uh, legendary basketball coach Jimmy Yagi, who was uh, the architect of Vulcan Fever, uh, legendary coach of Hawaii Hilo Hoops, a uh, lot of great upsets in the 70s, and, and that kind of set the stage, if you will, for what uh, some other quote-unquote small college teams in Hawaii would do, Shamanata 
obviously in the 80s, Hawaii Pacific University in the 90s. Uh, he was just an incredible, incredible coach and, and sports legend, passes away at the age of 88. Uh, and so we welcome to the show via the Aloha Kia hotline, the current head coach of Hawaii Hilo basketball, Kaniela Iona. Coach, how are you doing? Doing well, Law, Rob. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing all right, and thank you so much for making the time on such short notice. Uh, just got the word late this morning about the passing of, of Coach Yagi. You had talked about when you took over the job in 2020, uh, one of your first memories of Vulcan basketball was attending uh, legendary Jimmy Yagi's basketball camps. Uh, can you just tell us how you have sort of reacted to the news, if, if you are willing to do so? Yeah, of course. Obviously, very very sad day here in Hilo, uh, you know, and uh, most importantly, condolences, um, you know, on our behalf here at the at the athletic department and the Vulcan basketball, Ohana to Coach Yagi's family and, and the people he left behind. What an incredibly difficult day for them, obviously. Um, you know, Coach was a, was a, a legend here and an inspirational an inspirational man to many here, um, you know, not just in the basketball community, but the Hilo community at large. How did he inspire you now uh, in your former playing career and now coaching career? Yeah, you know, I think uh, he's one of those people that, uh, that you know, every community needs. Uh, one of those people that, um, you know, they, they inspire the uh, – the youth in the community, the, the people in the community to, to chase after something. Um, and, you know, he did it obviously through, through basketball here. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, uh, the, as the years go on, even all these decades later after he's finished coaching here at, at UH Hilo, his name's still, um, you know, it's still on the hearts and minds of, of so many here. You know, I think anytime a ball bounces in Hilo, <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, Coach Yagi is honored and remembered. Uh, yeah, he coached uh, 18 seasons, 12 in the NAI, won three district titles, um, won over 200 games uh, during those NAIA years. Uh, is there anything that you would say you try to apply to the culture of your program uh, based maybe on the, the culture that was established in the Jimmy Yagi days? You know, I think something about him is just that he, and anytime you spoke with him, it was very, it was evident um, how much he loved his players, you know, and how much he credited them with his success. And I guess you just say he was a, you know, an incredibly humble leader. Um, and I think that that, that's something that uh, it's, it's, just an, it's an important factor and, and part of our, our culture here is that we are, we are humble in, in what we're doing here, and uh, we try to instill that in, in our players and, and help them understand the, the impact that they have on, on this town. You know, we tell them all the time from the recruiting process all the way through that this is a blue-collar town and uh, it's, a, it's a relationship-oriented place and people here are going to know your name and know who you are, and um, it's really important that you handle yourself a certain way um, at all times, and, and it starts with humility, and I think that was a hallmark of, of Coach Yagi. Well, um, you know, he loved Hilo hoops. There's no doubt about it. 
um, you know, a, a bit of an exciting time for Hilo basketball as well with, you know, what you guys have been doing here under uh, your tutelage as head coach. We just had uh, one of your players, Zornad, transferring over from Manoa this upcoming season. He was in studio with us last week. And um, what, what are you sort of looking forward to and, and how do you anticipate? Obviously, this news is, is, is just, you know, fresh on all of our minds. And um, obviously, the, the reaction is, is with a lot of sadness at the moment. But uh, how do you maybe anticipate this upcoming season honoring uh, the legacy and memory of Jimmy Yagi? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, you know, for our players here, when they come here, it's important to us that they, they learn the history, you know, and that they understand when they when they put on the, the uniform, they're not the first, they won't be the last, and it's good for them to, to kind of understand that, um, you know, they're a part of a legacy. They can leave their own imprint on it. And, um, you know, I do think it's special anytime you have a program that is so connected or, you know, the legacy of a program and a, and a coach is so intertwined as it was here with, with Coach Yagi. I think that's a really special thing. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm excited for this group coming in next year, you know, our returners and new players and everybody to, um, to get a chance to, to try to understand that, you know, to help them understand that and, and, and help them to, uh, to leave their, you know, their imprint on, on this legacy here that was started many, many, many years ago by great people. And, you know, Coach Yagi obviously being one of the most influential to ever come through here. Hey, Coach, we really appreciate the time. We're looking forward to this upcoming season, but thank you so much for allowing us to uh, establish a little bit of perspective uh, on this sports legend that we just lost. So uh, best to you, and we'll talk again soon. Take care. Okay, mahalo. Hello, guys. Kaniela Iona, head coach for Hilo Basketball. Uh, we thank him certainly for uh, shedding a little more light uh, on the loss that is Jim Miyagi. We'll be back to wrap things up with our best and worst. All right, welcome back. Big thanks once again to Kaniela Iona, head coach for UH Hilo Men's Basketball, for joining us in that last segment talking about the late, great Jimmy Yagi. Uh, he joined us via the Aloha Kia hotline. See you in a Kia. Rob DeMello is in the house. Time for our best and worst. Uh, Robbie, you usually come in with a best, but this one's kind of a best and worst, so why don't you take yeah, it away? more so best because... Um you know, those situations of uh, don't be sad that it's come to an end. Be happy that it happened, right? Uh, my partner at KHON2, Alan Hoshida, obviously I've known about this for a long time, but he made public today that he is leaving the islands, that he is leaving KHON2. He's returning home to San Francisco. The reason behind it is he has a family. He had his first child while he was out here. Uh, both he and his wife are from the Bay Area, and so they're moving back there to be around their the respective grandparents for uh, their granddaughter. And so much mahalo to him for everything that he's done. Love him so much. Yeah, no, I think that's a good place to, to end it on. Um, and I mentioned it's the best and worst because, yeah, it's best because he's moving on and, and you wish him the, the absolute best. And, and the run that he's had with you has been wonderful. But it's the worst because, uh, you know, now you don't have your, your running mate, so to speak. And, and you got to... Find a new one. Yeah, stay <laughs> tuned. Easier said than done, I'm sure. Big thanks to uh, Coach Iona for joining us. Robbie D, as always, thank you. Liz Stacy next door. Appreciate it as well. See you tomorrow, everybody.